Okie doke. Right. Shall we... Where did we get to here now? Um, Brexit. Are we going to try and do this? Uh, Are we going to try and do this a bit quicker now? Because otherwise this is going to be huge. A little bit quicker. My, my, um, a possibility is that I actually split this into two episodes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I, I didn't take half as many notes as the rest of you. So my, my I just got the manifesto in front of me. That's what I'm working from. Oh, that's smart. Should I, uh, should I crack on with the Brexit? Uh, yeah, yeah, go for it. Can I just pre- go to sleep for this section? I'll join you again <laughs> after. <laughs> right, so obviously start with the stuff everyone knows by now. Uh, they're ruling out no deal. They're going to negotiate a new deal within three months and then have a referendum between that deal and remain within six months. Um, what they have specified that I don't think I've seen them specify before is that the the, ref, the new referendum will be legally re- legally binding. It won't be advisory. It's more than the last. And one. they will they will implement the um, the result. It's too complicated. I don't understand. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, they've listed the key points of the deal they would aim for: um, UK wide customs union. Close alignment with the single market. Uh, dynamic alignment on workers' rights. So that's taking the EU standards on workers' rights as a baseline, but then being able to improve on that and go further. Continued participation in EU agencies and funding programs. And clear commitments on security, uh, which is stuff like the EU arrest warrant um, and access to shared databases uh, for presumably Interpol and stuff like that. Um, EU nationals will be given automatic right to continue living and working in the UK in return for similar treatment of UK nationals living in the EU. And if the referendum returns remain as a result, Labour will push for radical reform of the EU rather than just accepting the status quo and continuing on as as we have been. Um, They obviously feel that, uh, quite rightly, that that the EU is an institution... Uh, is a bit neoliberal and too keen to implement austerity. So they were the main sort of things they'd seek to improve if we if we do remain. Sounds good. Um, but that's that's about it for Brexit. So thank fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, look. Um, right, Natalie, do you want to cover? Um, women and equalities. Yes, I certainly do. Um, luckily, you guys have talked about quite a few things already, so hopefully we can make this a bit snappy. Um, so they want to set up a new department for women and equalities, um, which will have a permanent secretary of state. Um, and that way, whatever legislation they pass, everything they do will kind of be go through that department to be considered for the impact on women, on minorities and such. So that you know, we'll be able to kind of take that into account before anything gets implemented. Um, 
Prayers going to um, ratify the Istanbul Convention on Domestic Violence and the ILO Convention on Violence and Harassment at Work to kind of tighten up the um, kind of legislation around that. Um, a really fantastic one um, in the Equalities Act, which has all your protected characteristics. They want to add uh, protection against discrimination over socioeconomic status, which is fucking huge. For That's example, nice. places like Oxford University um, wouldn't be able to discriminate against all the poor people who want to go and study there, that kind of thing. Um, they want to make state the state responsible for enforcing equal pay legislation. Um, so in the past, if you were a woman and you were being kind of underpaid because of a pay gap, you would have to pursue that yourself through the courts. But this way, it, that's going to be up to the state. So a lot of the time, women wouldn't be able to kind of do that off their own back. But now they won't have to because the state will be doing it for them. Um, as we've discussed, um, kind of like the attempts to address equal pay, all companies over 250 must be accredited um, officially um, for delivering equal pay. And by the end of 2020, they want to take that to every company with 50 people or more, which would be uh, probably the vast majority of them, I'd assume. Um, they, you might have mentioned this, they want to ban the dismissal of pregnant women without prior approval um, by inspectors to make sure that you know, you're not just chucking someone off before their maternity leave. Um they want to implement 10 days of paid leave for domestic violence survivors, which is fucking fantastic. That's one I wasn't aware of. That's really fucking yeah. good. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Yeah, that's so good. Because mm, you know, so when you, the whole flashpoint of that, it just fucks up your life and not having to worry about going into work for a couple of weeks. Well, you know, you get out, you get safe, you get in a shelter, um, you find somewhere else to stay. That's just such a relief. That's amazing. Um, misogyny and violence against women will become hate crimes. Um, that sounds good, but that's expecting hate crimes to be properly dealt with in the uh, justice system, which is a hugely um, nebulous prospect, for sure. Um all political parties will have to publish diversity data. Um, so you'll actually have like a full range of kind of like how they're made up. Um, they will launch an independent review into far-right extremism. Hooray. Um, and they will extend uh, legal protections to places of worship. Um, so you can't get fucking you know, shootouts at fucking mosques or synagogues or whatever. Um mm. This is fantastic. They will set up an Emancipation Educational Trust to inform and educate um, about Britain's history with slavery and empire and all the abuses that we've done throughout history. Um, yeah, that's massive. Uh, yeah, that's, that's really big. I mean, there's none of that in the education yeah. system as it stands. Um, so that's huge. And in terms of like just our national awareness of our own identity, that's really important. Um, going on to disability, 
they will, um, as well as kind of the disability leave that you mentioned, they will require disability awareness training for employers. They will update the Equality Act to add disabled people as a protected characteristic as well. Um, they will also give BSL, that's British Sign Language, full legal recognition, which is really important for being inclusive for deaf people. Um, they will improve awareness of neurodiversity in the workplace, um, which sounds good, but again, it's the question of how exactly you're going to go about that. Kind of like, what's your plan? There would be mm-hmm. really good to know. Um, now we're getting to things were a bit shit now, and it will get shitter at the end. Um, LGBT plus rights. Um, they will safeguard LGBT plus rights. They will ensure a strategy for tackling homelessness, understands the needs of LGBT plus people. They will provide funding to schools for mandatory LGBT plus education. That bit's really good. Um, Obviously, there's been a huge fucking fuss in uh, Birmingham about um, Mm. education there. Uh, They will respond fast and firmly whenever LGBT plus people uh, face violence or discrimination, which... I mean, that's just a bit of half, in my opinion. Um, I There's one other bit which I'm going to come to separately, but so far I think that's all fairly meaningless. There's not a huge amount of actual, besides for school stuff and for homelessness. It's very much just make sure things don't get yeah, worse, but exactly. it's not exactly a fucking yeah. big sale, yeah. is it? Um, at this point, I should probably make shit, uh, clear that I am LGBT plus myself. I am a gay trans woman. Um, so that is something to take in mind in terms of my biases. Um, there is one last bit which caused a bit of a stink when it was came out. It needed some clarification. I'm going to read it exactly. Um, they will ensure that single sex based uh, exemptions contained in the Equality Act in 2010 are understood and fully enforced in service provision. Um, the issue with that is it can be interpreted in a couple of different ways. One of those is trans inclusive, one of those is not. Um, so when it first came out, the um, kind of transphobic feminist movement was kind of claiming that as a victory for them. Um, pro-trans activists were you know, understandably upset. Dawn Butler, who is the kind of shadow women and equalities minister, has clarified that this is a trans inclusive policy. Um, so in theory, this is fine. Um, it's worth mentioning that there is nothing pro-trans at all in that manifesto. Um, it's kind of disheartening in a way. Again, it's some like something where there really should be a lot more. Um, and I say that not just for myself, but for all my trans brothers and sisters that are out there. Um, so yeah, that's not great. And this is 
kind of linked to the manifesto, but I'm bringing up specially because it kind of happened over the weekend and it concerns a Labour MP who we are all generally very supportive of. Uh, Laura Pidcock um, came out with some real fucking bullshit. Um, so um, when she was discussing this, she said that I think that there has to be reinforcement of single space exemptions for women to heal and recover. And it is absolutely critical that there are spaces, that there is provision for trans people to also get the help and support they need. Um, on first inspection, you're probably thinking that sounds okay. I would assume, you know, it's yeah, we'll support women, we'll support trans people. My first yeah, my first reaction to that was that it wasn't like a an inherently divisive sp- uh, statement, but then that's me making the assumption yeah. that trans women are women. Yeah. In Laura Pidcock's eyes. Yeah. And now I'm not so sure because you've pointed out the the disparity between what she said, not the disparity, but the the extra qualifier. Yeah. The-, uh, the issue here is that it's a really fucking common um, kind of transphobic talking point is the distinct separation of mm. trans people from women or from men as well. It's um, have a trans identity and a male or female identity cannot be linked together. You can't be both. You have to be one or the other. Um, which is not how being trans works at all. Um, and it, it is... Do you think Devil's... Sorry, Devil's advocate here. Mm. Do you think that maybe she was trying... Because I, I obviously agree with what you're saying. To me, if someone's a woman, they're a woman. Yeah. And that's you, you, don't have to, you don't have to add another caveat to it. But do you think in a society where other people aren't necessarily as open and progressive in their in their in their rhetoric that she was just emphasizing her support or do you think it was divisive i think it was divisive um there's been um kind of links to kind of some previous examples of things that were a bit sketchy um of like uh having connections to transphobic people um i can't oh. confirm this because i've not investigated it because i was really busy reading the manifesto um but apparently her <laughs> husband is um quite transphobic um for people who are known in that kind of part, kind of part of the country as well um the fact that she says trans people instead of trans women even to me that's mm. a red flag like that you can't even call trans women women um and that's not to say that trans men don't need support as well because they do um but when you're talking about you know like this kind of argument this fight it's very much the focus has always been around the issue caused by trans women um and i've I don't want to get into this too much because we have got um, an episode around trans rights kind of in the books to um, kind of mm-hmm. record shortly. So we can get into all of this stuff kind of loads. Um, but really, my main issue is that Laura Pidcock has been pretty much my favourite Labour MP for the last two years, ever since her like amazing 
maiden speech when she first got elected. Um, I've been constantly talking her up as a, you know, potential leader of a party in future. And for me to read that this afternoon felt like actually getting punched in the gut that someone who I yeah. put so much belief into was turning their back on me and people like me. Um, and yeah, uh, it's something that is um, it's an issue. Um, yeah, it is. And it's, it is. I know, I, know, I know what you mean as well with the, the, the kind of the disappointment there because I think a lot of us, at least, you know, in, in our wee kind of group, a lot of us have always held Pidcock up as one of the mm. kind of success stories of the, the new group and ways that could go forward. And it's just a bit fucking... It's just a bit mm. shit to see some of the old crap attitudes still following through with that generation. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, I hate to end it on a downer because um, there is some really wonderful stuff in that section. Um, but... Yeah, that's one of really the key things in the manifesto where we need to be doing better than we are. Big time. I think one of the only things that's really going to affect that is going to be a much harder push by the membership to address the yeah the yeah. shortcomings so yeah. far. So it's kind of it's on anyone it's, as a member to really. Push it's definitely that side. one of the more dis- more disappointing sections of the manifesto because it does it does kind of feel like they've they're sort of keeping it at arm's yeah. length. Tacked on like almost. They, yeah. Yeah, they sort of think that you know. Well, obviously, obviously, we have to. Obviously, they're not going to put out a manifesto that says, right, well, we, you know, gay people can get fucked mm. or whatever. Obviously, they're going to have to give support for them because that's that's Labour's stance. But they they also want to try not to sort of make a big deal of it because it it might not play well with certain members yeah. of the electorate, mm. which is is kind of disappointing and also kind of baffling when you see some of the um when we get to the international diplomacy and security section later on um because some aspects of that they've just gone in with both feet and they just clearly don't give a fuck <laughs> what the man on the doorstep's going to say about it yeah um and it so it feels it feels like they they've kept sort of lgbt Rights at arm's length because of the whole sort of culture war thing surrounding I mean, it, and and I just I don't the think the issue is that you do not get much in the way of um kind of that kind of racism within the party, but transphobia is unfortunately still an issue in the Labour Party. I mean, it is yeah. in my own constituency especially, um, but just in general. And again, this is you know stuff we'll be chatting about in the future episodes, so I don't want to go into detail. Uh, but I think that's the reason why, because yeah. it has more of like a direct force from within the party fighting the other way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But it is it is disappointing because the, as far as I'm concerned, the, the correct sort of way to tackle it is people people who... You just you you do what's right, and people who disagree can either get on yeah. board or get fucked. Yeah, it's what's in every other side. My... Of it. Yeah, yeah. Um. Well, we'll we'll leave that there. Like you said, we'll, we'll come back to that in yeah. a lot more detail on the. Please make us feel better, David. Tell us about social security and improve. Social security, right? We'll back. Yeah, here come here comes the crowd pleaser. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there is some good shit. I'll make it fairly quick, right? But on the aspect of welfare in general as it stands so we've got the department of work and pensions it's uh 
it's like some sort of sausage factory, except all the sausages that come out are misery. <laughs> um, it's the only thing that it fucking produces, and it produces them at an alarming bastard rate, and it's horrible to witness. Uh, the DWP is effectively completely unfit for purpose as it stands in the eyes of the people that actually use the the services provided by it. No one who's ever gone through a, a work capability assessment would have a good fucking word to say about it. Yeah. Like, none at all. I've sat in one before. It was fucking horrible. Um, I, I wasn't even the person that was being assessed and I have never wanted to not exist so hard in my life. It was fucking disgusting. Absolutely genuinely horrible. And that, that's one aspect of that is the privatised nature of it. So, Labour will, day one, kill the DWP. It's gone. Woo-hoo! It's going to be replaced with a Department of Social Security, the DSS. It's back, and it's not in POG form. <laughs> they are also going to scrap universal credit. Woo-hoo! In the short term, obviously you can't do that one overnight, yeah. so in the short term, they are going to remove the five-week wait period for payment. Oh, thank God. Um, and I don't quite know the calculation how they're going to work it out, but some interim payment will be made um, in about, uh, about the halfway mark, I think, which brings it closer to in line with the likes of your, your GSA or your ESA. Um, sanctions. Sanctions are dead. Normal sanctions. So if you don't turn up for a meeting that you couldn't make it to, then you don't lose the money for it, basically. That's fucking great, good fucking shit. The work capability yep. assessments themselves, they're over. No work capability assessments, no uh, PIP assessments, none of that shit at all. Um, all assessments, there will still be assessments, but they'll all be done in-house. The privatised nature of it, the quota nature of it, the so many people must be found fit for work nature of it ends. It's all gone. Um, the whole point of the Department of Social Security will be exactly that, to provide social security the onus isn't on getting people into work regardless of circumstance it's actually going to be it's everything that universal credit said it would be as some sort of incentive to get people back into work but it did it in a a very negative way in a very Mm. we'll take it all away from you you'll get fuck all until you go back to work the dss isn't going to work like that so it's going to specifically help disabled people who want to work um, and it's going to do that by bringing back in specialist employment advisors and there's going to be something called a reasonable adjustments passport scheme um, that's going to help people move between jobs more easily and they're also going to make sure that support for disabled people at work is reviewed um, and that's going to include the access to work scheme so all the all the routes that are already there which have been stripped the fuck away back for the days of the your sure start sentinels and how the Department of Working Pensions used to be, um, it's all getting pushed back to the way that it was. So it's it's good shit. It's undoing the damage. Have they said? Um, have they said what form the in-house assessments are going to take? They haven't gave any detail of that yet. Um, although what I'm assuming is that it's going to be some sort of, I would imagine, some sort of link in with the NHS to some degree, because as it stands now, everyone working for whoever the fuck it is does them now um, has to be some form of medical professional even though that could be a fucking dental hygienist going in there and assessing your 
fucking yeah. chronic back I can, pain. I can remember, I think I think it was Brown that introduced the assessments, wasn't it? It was Labour. It was introduced under Labour, yeah. Um, I don't know I if think it, it was, was Brown. I think it was... I think it was because I think it was like the the tail end of the the Labour government mm. to try and sort of stem the stem the bleeding from the, like you know the the beating they were taking on like being sort of the party of the workshire or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I can I can remember before the assessments came in where they just they didn't they didn't like assess you at all if you if you got a note if you got a letter from your GP to say that you were unfit for work mm-hmm. then that was the end of it yeah. as far as they were concerned I would imagine that's the, that's the kind of level it's going to go back to yeah because um, that's obviously the, the gold standard is if your GP knows you if your GP says that you're not fit for work then that should be the end of it exactly. you shouldn't have to go and convince some other dipshit <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean big time those who look after others so carers the carer's allowance is going to be increased to the level of the job seeker's allowance. Oh, oh that's fucking brilliant, that, because it is insultingly low. The it really is. It's it's shocking. How much is it a week you get on carers, actually? Uh, you can get 66 quid a week. Fuck Ooh. me. Joke. And that's that's only if you care for at least 35 hours, so you can get 66 what? quid a week if you do it as a what full-time job. Insane. How are you expected that's, to... That's yeah, fucking it's unreal. fucking... Oh my god! I that, that I'm absolutely oh fucking ridiculous. That's actually broken my brain. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's insulting. It, there's no other way to describe it. Really, it's it's fucking wow. pathetic. Like, like if, it really is. Yeah, it's fucking horrible. And the other the other thing with the carers' allowance as well is the person you care for has to be in receipt of specific benefits. Yep. So if the person if the if you're caring for a disabled person. And they get knocked back by their work capability assessment or their PIP assessment because you know they've got targets uh, to meet and, and all that whole shit. Then you lose your carer's allowance as well. Fuck. So if you so that the person you're caring for gets like shafted like multiple different ways. It's just it's ridiculous, really. Carers just get absolutely shot on, and there's no justification for it whatsoever. No, none at all. But then. Is there ever any sort of fucking justification beyond yeah. more money for us? No, Fuck you. Not really. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, but I mean, that's that's going to make such a fucking difference to so many people. Um, well, it's actually blowing my mind. Yeah, I know. It's fucking horrible. But hopefully, in a month's time, it won't matter anymore. <laughs> I mean, yeah, hopefully. Um, <laughs> the thing is, as well, it, one, one more thing as well. It, it's obviously you get 66 quid a week and you have to be, you have to be caring for 35 hours. Also, you have to be earning less than 123 quid a week yourself. So if you're caring for someone and you have a second job, you'd better, better hope that second job doesn't pay too well. Otherwise, you can't be paid for oh, the care. Yep. Wow, this is good. I'm going to actually use this on the doors now because I am... It's infuriating. Wow. Really That's is. just like no intentional totally hatred of... People, nice people care, like, like giving a shit yeah. about their loved ones. Yeah, Rob Delaney yeah, talks about it's... this quite a lot, like with social care. That he he speaks about it really nicely, but I, I, I he didn't like mention the like specific amounts and stuff like that. And it's just yeah, it, it's it's honestly it's taking advantage of people because if 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 you're the kind of person that gives up thirty five hours a week to look after someone yeah. who's less fortunate than you. 
then you know the, the the Tories are well aware of the fact that you're doing that, and you probably don't have the option to not mm. do that. So they can just take the fucking piss. I can't wait to get these cunts out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, another thing they're going to do is the ESA Employment and Support Allowance. Mm-hmm. That is going to be upped by thirty pound a week for those in the work related activity group. I don't know if anyone is has had much experience of ESA, but at the moment. There are two groups basically to qualify for ESA. You get work related activity and you get the support group. The support group currently gets the same rate that the ESA will be up to, so it'll be brought up in line. Your ESM, your your support group basically gets left alone until their next assessment. Yeah. However, your work related activity group are the ones that are found to be, yeah, you shouldn't be working right now, but you will need to work. So they they are the ones that get dragged in for constant fucking meetings and all sorts of other horrible shit, yeah. and it's it's disgusting. It's fucking it's horrible, and it it varies it varies wildly um, based on where you are. As it's well. where you it's are. It's, job, it's down to your fucking assessor. I know your assessor, but your your certain, caseworker. Yeah, yeah. At certain job centres, if you you put in the work related activity group, they'll just speak to you once every few months, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and you still you get thirty quid less a week. For the privilege yeah. of of being in, in the work related activity group, but they but then other places they'll like certain assessors will just have you in every week and rate you over the calls. Yeah, um, and it's just I mean it's not helpful. No, not at all. You know, it, even even by the metric that they like, that the Tories themselves establish, where it's to help people get in the work, it doesn't fucking do that. Yeah, just, um, just punishes you for not being in work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and I I don't think there's any sort of advantage to be had in, in pretending anymore that the you know when they say well we want the the, the, the fastest route out of poverty is work mm. we want to help people get into work fuck off do you you just you know what i mean you want your mates to get richer and you don't care if it hurts the poor and the disadvantaged to do that that's a perfectly acceptable cost to you isn't it? yeah that's that cancel up um they're also going to raise the basic rate of support for children with disabilities to the level of child tax credits that's good and they're also going to ensure that severely disabled people without a formal carer receive extra support to enable them to meet the extra costs. Um, very non-specific there, but it's still a good thing. It's still something that's definitely worth yeah. aiming for. Um, now, that's that's largely the, the, the kind of take-home points from the welfare. There's not a lot to that, really. But there's not a lot to the welfare system anymore. Yeah. There's really not a lot. Yeah. So much of it's been fucking stripped away and removed. Yeah. There's not a lot to yeah, say I mean, other than make it fucking better and make it actually fucking useful to people. It's not it's it's not it's not a huge amount to explain, but getting rid of the DWP is fucking It would make such, such a, such a difference is, to that society. Is just overall yeah. happiness and well being and replacing replacing it with a department that's that for the people, you know, whose stated aims are to help yeah. people. I, I actually had to, to take five minutes away from my desk when I was sitting reading this uh, when I was in work because I was so overwhelmed by how fucking good getting rid of the DWP is yeah. and replacing it with yeah. a DSS that won't sanction you, yeah. that won't fucking put you in universal credit, that won't put you through fucking work capability assessments. Like, oh, and having it's so good, it's yeah, so I've, fucking good. I've, I've spent a lot of years sort of going through the benefit system in, in various guises and it's um 
it's honestly just fucking and it's an absolute fucking barnstorm of a policy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. been been off the the entire fucking thing and just start from scratch yeah one other non-manifesto thing that i want to mention just on social security um is the waspy women so all the women mm-hmm. that got absolutely rat fucked out of about five six years of their pension um they are now going to be compensated so the maximum compensation per person can be up to 31,300 quid. Mm-hmm. Um, the average payment's going to be about 15,380 pounds. Um, uh, some, I've seen some fucking takes from our lot, not our lot, the, the podcast, but like our lot, the left, um, <laughs> to saying that it seems like a bit of a weird sop to... A bit of a weird sop to the boomers, as if it's going to bring the votes over, but it's really not. It's about right and the wrong. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. and it's it an is bringing the votes over as well. Under an impression for so much of the life, like yeah, no, it's 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 fucking shocking yeah. that it even was allowed to happen in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. it's good that it's finally being fixed. I mean, it's it's both things. It's right and the wrong, and it's sort of appealing to people who might more traditionally vote yeah. blue. But you know, I mean. You can't sort of you can't have socialism if you're not prepared to to do right exactly. by everyone. Exactly. Yeah. So, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's it for that's it for social security there as it is just now. We'll wait and see. We might even get something else coming out soon. John, do you want to take your next section on police and the justice? Police. Yes, indeed. Now I do know that. I do know that the opinion of a lot of people on this podcast is ACAB. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they are a, a necessary evil in this world. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what are... For now. For now. <laughs> yes. So what are they looking to do for us? Well, uh, I mean, they, they start off with all the usual, yes, it has been horrible. Uh, I mean, you know, violence, drugs, robbery, they're all kind of going up and uh, but prosecutions have fallen down uh, so yeah it's certainly an issue that needs to be uh, resolved now worryingly one of the first things i actually see in theirs is uh, in the manifesto is they say we're going to put 2,000 more police into uh, on the streets than the conservatives will uh, to be fair i've actually got a couple of issues with that Number one, the fact that they've just said, oh, it's going to be 2,000 more. It's just like, okay, um, we're going to have 2,001 more. It's just like you're just saying higher number almost uh, just for the purposes of trying to be better than the Conservatives. But also, I I hate that it has become a situation that we now think of the number of police as being what's required for justice, whereas we probably have enough police as it is. They're just dealing with so many crimes on the books as it is. Now, for having to deal with all the petty stuff every single day, there's probably enough to deal with the major stuff that they have to. So I think there needs to be more reform about the actual laws themselves as opposed to just putting more police into place. So that is just my opinion. I don't know whether other people feel the same on that one. So I hate that it is just a number that they put in just to be better than the rest. I mean, based on every experience I've ever had interacting with the police, there's more than enough police to, to do their job well, mm. given that their job appears to be doing fuck all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, 
if there's less police on the streets, you just tell them to not harass as many people, and, and they can still solve as many crimes as they ever yeah. do. Yeah, which fuck is all. Well, well, they have said, but don't don't let me don't let me like <laughs> rain on your parade. You, <laughs> you power through. No, that's it. No, I say I say fair enough. I used to work in the police. Uh, I'm just going to leave that there. <laughs> no, I used to work. As, I, I used to work as a 999 operator. I wasn't actually a police officer yeah, myself, right. but uh, so high. I took all the crime calls uh, on the 999 line. That was harrowing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I but I, I do know. I actually have first-hand experience of how busy the police actually are. Um, they're run ragged with the amount of calls that came in every single day. So. Uh, no matter what you think, they do do a good job. I feel, but hey, uh, but yeah, if they if they can uh, stop harassing black people, that'd be nice. Uh, that is one of the things in the manifesto is they will uh, look to eliminate the institutional biases. Now, good luck. Uh, that would mean they'd have <laughs> yeah. to basically sack every single police officer that's already in there and just get an entire new set. Mm. Uh, uh, I mean that on that honestly wouldn't be a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, yeah, just retire the lot. Okay, we'll pay their salary, their uh, pensions from now on. That's fine. I think we can deal with that. Um, but yeah, they uh, want to propor- do proportionate stop and search based on intelligence. Yeah. Uh, now, unfortunately, I still feel that uh, it may be policy, but the intelligence is, oh, I saw a black person walking along the street. They yeah. probably did something wrong, so I'm going to yeah. stop and search them. Mm-hmm. So Plus, it's, proven it's nice that- to have a policy. Um, kind of like even reporting systems and such, you know, you know, just carry on the internal racial biases. So even if you're trying to mm. base it off of just like the data, that's still going to be structurally racist. Yeah, it, it is, unfortunately. Um, they have mentioned that uh, they're looking to work with youth workers, mental health services, schools, drug rehabilitation programs. That's always good. I mean, getting them out in the community really does make a difference. And that is actually one of the things that helps reduce crime more than anything is actually just getting them out and informing them and just saying, hey, we're not such bad people after all. Mm-hmm. It, it does work. Um, see, we've also got... Uh, I think I think that works both ways as well yeah. because it's... Uh, I mean, obviously you want you want people to think the police aren't as bad, but mm. the, pol- the police could do with learning that the community isn't that bad. Yeah. Maybe our police force could stop shooting uh, black people in the face with tasers. That'd be great, especially considering they are the uh, the BAME liaison. Yeah, twice yeah, they've I done think, it twice I now. Of... I think. In, in yeah, yeah, twice. Twice. Just girls. <sighs> uh, so yes, they will ensure better training on domestic abuse offences uh, and coercive control. Yeah, I got to say that is a really tough one because um, they go along to the domestic violence cases and so often it'll be a case that as soon as they get there, the woman will deny everything mm. and the excuse is because I love him. Uh, so yeah, if they can get some extra training to assist with that so we can actually kind of stop that from happening, that would be an absolutely fantastic boon. Mm. Uh one nice thing, uh, they will look into establish a Royal Commission to develop a public health approach to substance misuse, focusing on harm reduction rather than criminalization. So, yes, please legalize drugs, all the drugs, yummy, yummy drugs. I mean, I'm going to be honest, <laughs> I really think they could have gotten away with legalizing cannabis in this manifesto. Yeah. And I'm disappointed they haven't. It's one of like yeah. the big yeah. things where I think they've really kind of. I really think they would have gotten away with that. But if it wasn't for those darn kids. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. That definitely wouldn't have gone through in the Labour conference at all, though. 
that's the problem because it has to go th if they put it through has to go like because I, I don't even understand exactly how it all goes through for labor but it's like some meticulous process where yeah yeah it has to go through so many people because it's a shame because i i agree <laughs> Yeah. But yeah. It would have been nice, but I mean, the kids nowadays are all into the vaping anyway, aren't they? No, yeah, but you can vape weed. Like, yeah. that's the thing. I edit that out successfully now. Thank you very much. <laughs> is that what that is? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were wheezing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that old, fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah. Are we carrying on? So I'm running out of time. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> 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 sorry, you're going to have to edit yeah. Uh, so yes, uh, they're looking. They they have said that they want to introduce minimum legal standards of service, and I don't like the phrasing of that. I want maximum legal standards of service for victims of crime. Uh, I I don't want to sound just like wishy washy. Yeah. Unfortunately. Uh, so I want robust. I want you know victims of crime to be treated with care and compassion, and you know handled well throughout the entire uh, experience that they had well obviously not the experience of the crime but the experience of uh, you know resolving the <laughs> yeah. crime after it uh, yeah no we will have somebody standing by you all the day, all day just in case you're a victim of crime to go there there <laughs> right at that point <laughs> okay so they're looking at addressing um extreme and violent radicalization so ensuring counterterrorism um they're going to try and do that with um well, basically having those police out on the street being the front line of domestic security uh, does sound a little bit big brothery to I, me. I'm not a huge fan of that but, at all. No, mm. no, I'm not. But I, I would. I don't. The sound. The idea of the police being on the streets to to deal with counter to to do counterterrorism mm. does sound incredibly fishy. But I, I I do think that as far as counterterrorism goes, since um since the Blair years, there's mm. been a definite trend away from actual, like, you know, from actual work and, and just putting everything on surveillance. So it's, it's like, rather than, you know, that you could have people, you could have actual people working here to, to review the intelligence and investigate things and come to conclusions, or you could just eavesdrop yeah. everybody and read everyone's mm. emails and just arrest all the yeah. brown people. Yeah. And it's not really like, you know, really they should be following the actual like evidence and doing the work. They don't need to have access to everyone's data. All At the, the time. same point, to me, it just sounds is an excuse to increase the militarization of the police. Yep. I would say going on to the next part, I mean, they say that uh, they will ensure the powers ex exercised by these security services are proportionate and used in accordance with human rights. I mean, even that's, oh, that's... That, that again, that, that's not great because that could be, you know, in accordance with human rights. I could imagine that being in a Tory manifesto, that line. Yeah. Like, it means nothing um, without yeah. specifics. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, they're going to evaluate the mobile phone trials with the name of introducing an emergency alert system. So a bit like the Amber Alert in America, I'm assuming mm. that's going to be. I mean, it's a, it's a good idea. I, I think it's a, a nice idea, but it seems to be people are torn on whether it's annoying or not. Getting alerts at all times of the day to say this or that's happened. Hmm. But having yeah, more... it depends. It depends how much they use it for, and also how long it takes before it gets hacked. Yep. 
Well, it's fine and because everyone, they're, gets, they're, everyone they're gonna, gets texted a goal to you or whatever. <laughs> they're going to tackle cybersecurity <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah, they, they got uh, basically a brief bit about it, saying that they're going to have uh, a new uh, coordinating minister that's going to do overhaul our cybersecurity mm. so that things like happen to the NHS doesn't happen again. Uh, they're going to have a national cybersecurity centre. Um, to determine whether it should be given any powers as an auditing body as well. I was worried about giving uh, organizations like that power. Because who, I mean, who's it going to be staffed by, you know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, an audit, an auditing body for cybersecurity could be a good mm. thing because um, more and more these days, yeah. are, like tech companies especially, have an incredible amount of power with the data they yeah. make. Yeah. And there's no real requirements for them to keep that data safe. Mm. Now, you see, you know, like one of the things that I think about Facebook's is, been just handing people's data out left and right, yeah. and, and just haven't faced any consequences at all, have yeah. they? Some of the things that are coming up, um, I mean, can, if you combine them, you can—they're good when there is a Labour government. Now, as much as I'd love there to be a hundred glorious years of Labour control, <laughs> yeah. Uh, if we if we have this uh, national crime agency that has the national cyber security center, and then we have the national broadband service as well, which everybody's using, you put those two together under a Tory government, and suddenly we might start to find ourselves having restrictions and observations on us and all manner of things. Yeah, it could be misused in yeah. the wrong hands. I say they're great ideas, but there'd have to be certain provisions in place to kind of restrict how far they could go forever. Which, that's yeah. impossible because you can't legislate yeah. a future government. Yeah. You can't, unfortunately. It, so I, I, it kind of me those kind of things. But that might just be the paranoid person in me. I think the, um, I think the key to something like that is to educate people. Mm. Um, you, you can't legislate against the future, like what a future government's going to do. But if you drive home the importance of data security and privacy and things like that to people, and, and don't allow the narrative to be well we've got to look at your emails be- because of the muslims yeah. or, or whatever shit people are spinning <laughs> if you if you drive home to people that it's important that you you have your privacy and you know the government can't see what you're watching on pornhub <laughs> then people when a future government tries to give themselves access to everything people are going to be a, a lot more like yeah. ready to push back that against be nice. uh, okay so uh, going on to justice um, I mean, they have started off straight away saying that uh, prison is not the best place to address the various drug addictions, mental illnesses and deaths yeah. that many actually cause people to commit crime in the first place. Uh, and they are absolutely right. If you are serviced by the community, then you are less likely to reoffend. And they have got uh, items in their manifesto that uh, would suggest that. Um, so if they had community sentences we you know, would replace the prison sentences so um that would be for people with uh, non-violent non-sexual offenses um though so they would reunify probation and guarantee a public uh, publicly run locally accountable probation service now the one they've got at the moment is completely not fit for purpose they don't keep track of anybody on probation at all lucky if anybody actually gets a meeting with their probation officer every month or so it just doesn't happen uh, and needs complete reform uh legal aid has gone completely down the tubes uh they are looking to increase that because uh, at the moment anybody uh, if they are accused of a crime uh, and they are just of the right level of income 
wouldn't get legal aid. And so you could end up bankrupted by being accused of a crime you didn't commit. Or having to just represent no. yourself in court and obviously getting nowhere. Yeah, because uh, you earn too much. So you're not given the... Or you want a better lawyer than the one that's given to you for free. Um, and legal aid will pay a very, very tiny amount of that lawyer that will charge you hundreds of pounds an hour for their services. So, yeah, you can get a bill, you know, 50, 60 grand, mm. uh, and you'll get, you know, just a few grand off of it from uh, legal aid. So uh, they want to recruit hundreds of new community lawyers. Oh, I don't know. Magistrates are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Magistrates, they're a nice idea. But again, it's all rich white guys. Um, the minorities are woefully un- underrepresented. Um and they don't know the law. So I don't know why they're ever trying cases. But and it, So the idea of having community lawyers, uh, I mean, is that, are they going to be kind of like people like you and me? Or are they going to be actual trained lawyers? So it would be nice to find out what that actually would be. Uh, promote a public legal education. That'd be nice if people actually knew what the laws were. That would help. And build an expanded network of law centers. Because uh, people always need the advice, and it's way too expensive as it is now. Uh, they'll ensure legal aid for inquest into deaths in custody. Uh, that'd be nice because there's Good. way yeah. too many of them. Uh, See, so, uh, defending workers' abilities to recover legal representation costs from negligent employers. So much like you were just saying, David, uh, with regards to uh, the ah tribunals. That's the words. Yes. <laughs> yes. With regards to employment tribunals, fix that in post, please. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so they'll be able to claim, uh, you know, uh, money back for that, which is good. Uh, they've also got. Uh, they're going to halt the court closures, yeah, because court cases are so so. Uh, they're queued up for years, basically. If an offence happens now, they'd be lucky if you didn't hear the court case until twenty twenty one. Right now. So, yeah, if they were to close any more courts, it would just be so overburdened and nothing would actually get done. Uh, yeah, tackle the disproportionate levels of uh, uh, BAME children in custody. Again, that would come down to uh, the police and changing everything about them. And uh, violence against women and girls is unacceptable, as many women's experience of criminal justice agencies. Yes, it is terrible. They are treated as a weaker uh, species, and that is absolutely horrible. Um, and, yeah, it could need total, total reform. Yeah, that is pretty much it for justice. I mean, there's not too much more there. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it sounds like it's, there's a few good ideas in there. Mm. But it sounds a bit light on the how. Yeah, yeah. I think overall, I think it's, it's one really... of the weaker parts of the manifesto mm. in terms of what they could have delivered for like a really radical view of kind of like modern British society. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think I think um, it was always like police and justice was always going to be one of the weaker yeah. aspects of the manifesto mm. because it's it's one of the areas where everyone loves to pile on labor as being shit yeah, on man. Yeah. And I think, you know, so you know, obviously in the, in the, to create this manifesto as well, because general election was so sudden. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And in terms of like the Overton window, I think, it's been pushed in a lot of 
kind of areas, but with like, yeah, justice and police is something where we really haven't had a chance to, you know, get really think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's a sort of area where um, you have to hope that when you, you look at a, the manifesto for the second term of Labour government, you would hope they'd have some more yeah. radical ideas by then. Mm. Um, but given, especially given how much the papers and the, you know, um, was it Workington Man? Yep. Is that is that what yep. they, yeah, how much they love to bang on about how Labour's soft on crime, mm, yeah. that we were, we're never going to see too yeah. radical uh, a set of proposals yeah. in that area. I understand area. it, I just... Which is a yeah. shame, but it's, it's yeah. understandable. That's, yeah. Right, Alicia, what have you got to say about migration? Okay, so migration under a Labour government, obviously everyone knows that under the Conservative government, it's been a really hostile environment with Windrush happening and really negating human rights and the importance of migrants in our country. So uh, Labour acknowledged the fact that an immigration system is going to be able to recruit people that we need and welcome them and their families. And I think that element of and their families is a, is a really important point that the Conservative government seems to completely ignore. They, they don't, ironically, the party that is supposed to be, you know, promoting the family unit don't do that when it comes to migrants, because I guess to the Tories, migrants aren't real people. So, yeah, so Labour acknowledged the fact that the movement of people is really, really important to our society, our economy and our culture as a whole. And what they're going to do is actually make sure that migrants aren't exploited with like undercut wages and making sure that they are treated as, you know, part of our society from when they get here. So having like real living wage for all people and working hard to stop the demonization of migrants. As we all know, uh, this has been a massive problem in this country for a really long time and that was really exacerbated by the Brexit campaign. Mm. Uh, You know, and they obviously, I'll speak about refugees in a minute, but you know, they like Farage using (laughs) Syrian refugees on posters about migrants really made people treat migrants in a worse way than they ever have before, in my opinion, Yeah, uh, which is so damning to, you know, and callous. So anyway, the, uh, the, the Labour government acknowledged the fact that these targets that the Conservative government have put in place have actually just been there as uh, a weapon they've not really used. They haven't ever met their own targets. It's ridiculous. And, you know, Labour aren't going to be looking at that. They don't actually, uh, unless I'm being a bit dim, they don't actually specify how they're going to actually, what they're actually going to do to change that. They just it, they just acknowledge the fact that it is uh, a failure. One thing they're going to do, which I am super, super pro, is getting rid of the 2014 Immigration Act because... It is awful. I, you know, it it stopped, it says preventing illegal immigrants accessing and abusing public services or the labour market is like a part of the Immigration Act in 2014. But as we all know, that is something, defining someone as an illegal immigrant is very easily done, even mm. when they might be migrants who are here for work or most likely, I'll get onto it, refugees. Yeah. And 
saying that you're going to prevent illegal immigrants accessing and abusing public services or the labor market is basically cutting the life supply off to people who really need that help. So I yeah. think it's absolutely amazing that we're going to get rid of that because it also, you know, gets rid of it, it. It's like changed the appeal. It changed the appeal system and like basically made it e made it easier for the government to basically not consider human rights um, under ECHR, European Convention on Human Rights, and just get people out of the country. So I'm super, super, super pleased to see that Labour are going to scrap that. Uh, and they're also, you know, going to end indefinite detention in places like Yarwoods and Brookhouse detention centres, which I only learned very recently, perhaps naively, that children are held in these places as well. And for a really, really long time, separated from their families and they are just treated so badly. And often people that are going to be in detention centres have obviously gone through such a terrible time already to get to those detention centres that these have huge impacts on their mental health and physical health. So I'm really glad that Labour government is going to be getting rid of that and actually putting money in 20 million to support the survivors of modern slavery, um, people trafficking and domestic violence, which again... Human trafficking is something I care personally very deeply about. I really don't like that in international law that human trafficking is often treated as a crime and prevention of how to stop it is discussed way more than actually consideration of the victims. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, you know, for me, that is a huge thing that they're actually going to invest some money into that. And then obviously they give their stance on the EU. So if we, I'm just going to read it verbatim. In the, if we remain in the EU, freedom movement would continue. If we leave, it will be subject to negotiations. But we recognise the social and economic benefits that free movement has brought both in terms of EU citizens here and UK citizens abroad. And we will seek to protect those rights. So that's Labour's stance that. And then refugees, again really really pleased about this Labour acknowledge at you know Conservative Party do not acknowledge that refugees are not here by choice these are victims mm -hmm. of wars they cannot return to their countries they are here and they have a special status and this is something that I'm super passionate about this is what I, I just wrote my thesis on and for me like I'm really 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 like beside myself with you know, joy that a Labour government is going to acknowledge those rights and obligations. They're going to allow refugees to seek asylum and they're actually going to meet these legal obligations. And they're going to work with the rescue missions in the Mediterranean. And because as you guys probably know, you know, those those uh, rescue missions were Amber Rudd and James Brokenshire and all these Tories are banned these banned the search and rescue operations they didn't want to fund them and so I'm really 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 pleased that a Labour government in their manifesto is going to be looking to that and again making sure refugees have the right to work access to public services and will be treated humanely by government at all levels so yeah really really pleased I think that their stance on refugees is exactly what I wanted to hear the only thing I personally would have added, which also was in a, um, it was in a, in a research paper, 
conducted by the all-party parliamentary group on refugees, and I also suggested it forward, is I personally would introduce a minister um, for refugees. Because I think it's a very different, I think it's a very different um, area, and I think it's wrong to include it as part of migration because refugees have a unique status because it's not a choice. So they should yeah. be treated like yeah. that. I think that would actually be quite good, just purely, even yeah. just for the... I don't want to say the optics of it, but I think you know what I mean when I say yeah. that, but the optics of taking it out from the home office, yeah, yeah. Well, like, alone, well, is a fucking know, good thing. You know what I learned, I did, and I didn't know this when I did my uh, when I did my thesis, it was one of my findings, actually, is that under... <laughs> that the Conservative government had a the first, the one and only time had a minister of security and immigration <laughs> it was one it was one title and like that to me just says it all like how how can you how can you have how can you put security and immigration under the same thing basically like to me that's absolutely outrageous yeah I've- so yeah, at the I've got a question. Yeah, that's why we have. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. You might not be able to answer this, but obviously at conference they, you know, uh, passed a really radical um, kind of free movement motion, which had a whole load of kind of ideas and policies around immigration and refugees and such. Do you know if the manifesto kind of fully? kind of accepts everything that was there or if there are things that are missing that have been left out i think well because what i've basically just read is what all that's on migration in the manifesto yeah so i think it's because they i think they've been um vague about it because we don't know because of our neutral stance not our neutral stance but because of our eu stance okay so they do speak about the free movement of people is as important if if we leave and if we remain, yeah. but they don't actually go into detail. Because yeah, at conference it was brilliant. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. They were very. I'm, I was very very. I have to admit, I, I the first thing I read when the manifesto came out was the refugee part. I wanted to find the refugee part. Hadn't really read the migration part and was very surprised that it was very small. Fair. I mean, I'm I'm not that surprised really that they've they've tacked a bit, not safe, but yeah. you know what I mean, like yeah, I guess yeah, they have to pick where they're going to be radical. And yeah, amazing things like some of their other policies are more powerful, and people know where we stand on uh, migration. So yeah. I guess they didn't need to labour the point. Pardon the pun. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um. Right. So I mean, speaking of um, immigrants and security being the same fucking thing. Uh, Jamie, have you got anything on security? Uh, yeah, international diplomacy and security. So, uh, as you might expect, uh, international poli- international peace and security is a primary objective. Uh, they want to bring in a War Powers Act to prevent the Prime Minister from committing to military action without Parliament say so. Hell yes. Um, they want to implement every recommendation of the Chilcot Inquiry. Is it, does that include sending Tony on a holiday? <laughs> Uh, quite probably, yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> fingers crossed. Um, they're going to have an audit on impact uh, on the impact of Britain's colonial legacy. 
Um, so go back over all the horrific shit we've done over the years and what it cost people and what we can do about it. Um, a £400 million investment into Britain's diplomatic capacity. An inquiry into Britain's role in extraordinary rendition oh, and torture, which I think is well overdue. Yeah. Um, a lot of stuff about uh, human rights. Um, a lot of support for various uh, different oppressed peoples around the world. So um, recognize the rights of people in Western Sahara. Uh, uphold human rights in uh, West Papua. Um, they're going to have a formal apology for and a public review into Britain's role in the Amritsar massacre in India. Allow uh, Chagos Islanders to return to their homelands, which I think the UN told us we had six months to do in February. Yeah, we passed the deadline on that. It... Um, immediately suspend sale of arms to Saudi Arabia for use in Fuck. Yemen and sale of arms to Israel for use in violation of the human rights of Palestinian civilians. That's amazing. Um, also, immediate recognition of the state of Palestine and support for a, a two-state solution to the uh, conflict. Um, and reform arm exports regimes so ministers can no longer turn a blind eye to human rights abuses, which I think is a, a huge plus. Mm-hmm. Um, and a big focus on climate diplomacy. So I think the um, the idea there is that uh, Britain's sort of diplomatic efforts, rather than um, focusing them on what we can get from from countries, is to focus them on how the world can come together and fight climate change and deal with the climate emergency, which is quite good, despite what those cunts in the debate audience might have thought the other day um it's uh it's obviously a, a very important thing um they're still committing to two percent of gdp to be spent on armed forces uh which is pretty standard it's just the neat that's the needle minimum yeah 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 um and they're going to create a department for international development um, which will have its own budget that it can spend on international aid. That's cool. Um, and I, I, I think the, the intention there is to sort of separate separate in, international aid from uh, the cabinet, so that you know the people can just get on with it and do it themselves, and not at the whims of, of whatever ministers feel should be mm-hmm. done or not mm-hmm. done on, at any given moment. Um, but a lot of the stuff there about. Um, sort of Britain's colonial legacy and all the shit stuff we've done over the years. I was, I was very surprised to see that make it into the manifesto because yes, it's, a big one. it's the sort of thing you, you, you sort of think, well, you would avoid that because it plays badly with, with dipshits. <laughs> um, but they've, they've just gone in like full tilt and I have to applaud it. Yeah, that's I, really good. I think it really is. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the colonial, kind of redress type stuff is going to be huge like that's going to uncover yeah. some amount of shit yeah. um but good good it needs it needs fucking uncovered it needs addressed it needs shown up for what it was because can't let that kind of shit happen again yeah. um either by ourselves or on the part of anyone else yeah. and it'd be right if everyone had an idea of what fucking went on so that's big and yeah yeah um, mad 
almost that it's in the manifesto <laughs> at all. I get what you mean. Like that's just well out there. But yeah, I was great. expecting the stuff. I was expecting the stuff like about Chilcot and mm. war powers and that sort of thing. Yeah, well, um, but but the uh, the colonial like stuff is just is great. It's it's high time that was that was addressed really, wasn't it? Because it's like. Britain has an absolutely fucking atrocious past. Yeah. It's just, it's never, it's never well, brought up. We're, do you know what I mean? We're not taught yeah. about it in school. I, and whenever anyone does bring it up, people just get angry about it because they don't like being, they don't like having it pointed out. Yeah. And I think, I think if, if people were, you know what I mean? It's like, obviously people, because people get really angry. It's like, well, you can't hold me responsible for, for something that like, you know, people did in the past. I wasn't there. I Whoever wants to benefit from it like, now, no, though. But, so, we, yeah, but we benefit from it now, and, and the, the least we can do yeah. is acknowledge that and, and yeah. see what can be done to to maybe put yeah. it right a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's... big thing. Um, right, last point we're going to go into now is education. Uh, okay, so education. I'm going to try and keep this super brief, even though it's super duper long. <laughs> so. Labour obviously understand that education is super important, not just in terms of our economy, but also to help people uh, understand each other and form social bonds and, you know, just combat inequalities and injustices. So I think I think that's really important that they've acknowledged. I, I really like this theme actually throughout the manifesto of obviously it's socialist but the theme of like coming together as a society and understanding that all these different elements come together for a bigger picture mm. which i think has often been lost in manifestos so mm-hmm. I, I really i really like this uh, it, it's good also to see it in front of you because you know there are some things that you think oh well is that really but when they bring it together you're like yeah it's really really important so yeah they uh, acknowledge the fact that the conservatives have really managed as well as managing to mess up our nhs they've managed to really screw around with our education system they are underfunding the schools so uh labor are go through a plan for real change to really make sure that all types of learning skill and knowledge from technical vocational academic and creative are catered to in the education system so i as i said i'll pick out a few a few important things it's it's um it's in a great deal of detail so i do really recommend reading it so in the early years they're going to reverse cuts to sure start and create a new service called sure start plus and that will provide a genuinely universal service available in all communities focused on the under two so it will obviously greatly benefit the most disadvantaged children mm-hmm. and be able to you know bridge 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 a gap there so it's very very important and then one of the really popular policies which i've only heard about through my friends that have bubbers is within five years, all two, three and four-year-olds will be entitled to 30 hours of free preschool education per week and access to additional hours at affordable subsidised rates staggered with incomes, which obviously is just brilliant because usually being able to go to preschool is something that bankrupts parents. So it's often something that is that, you know, wealthier children get to go to. So it's, it's obviously starting to make that equality 
for younger children and they will also work to extend childcare provision for one-year-olds and ensure childcare provision accommodates the working patterns of all parents. So overall, just this really great idea that they will uh, bridge the gap and to do this, they'll recruit an additional 150,000 early years staff and make sure that this is on a national pay scale and uh, driving up pay for the overwhelmingly uh, female workforce. So really great equality stuff there. Schools, uh, they will make sure, again, obviously uh, there's lots of headmistresses I'm seeing on social media and teachers saying there's a choice between deciding if there's going to be a teacher or, you know, fixing a, a, a wall or, you know, a, 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 a leak or something like that. So Labour are going to make sure that they're going to, that schools are, have increased long-term funding. And one of the things that I think is really brilliant as someone that suffers with anxiety, that they're going, schools, I'm going to just read what they say, schools are being subjected to intensified testing, inspection, league tables and competition, but they're not improving. So Labour will end the high stakes testing culture of schools by scrapping key stage one and two SATs oh, and baseline God. assessments and refocusing assessment on supporting pupil progress, which I think is absolutely necessary. You, you don't need to be you know, we have the rest of our lives to be stressed. Why are we doing that to our children? You've yeah. got like yeah, that's, that's it's a, a great, huge proportion great idea. of seven yeah, year olds with mental health issues these days because yeah. they have to deal with SATs and stuff. Of course, like I, I remember the pressure of doing an exam from a really young age, and you just you don't realise how much that contributes to where you are as an adult. Yeah. And you know, our generation, we didn't, I, I don't know about you, but like they didn't know about anxiety and mental health stuff as much. It wasn't known about, whereas now we know about it. So how can we know about it? Know that the likelihood is that it came from all this pressure when we were younger and ignore it. Yeah. That's just ludicrous to me. So I, I was so pleased to read that. And they're also yeah. going to introduce an art pupil premium, which will obviously and make sure arts education will be funded because that's something that something that often gets pushed to the side. Um, and then they will review the curriculum to ensure that it um, makes sure it covers subjects such as black history and continues to teach issues like the Holocaust. But it will also start engaging with the science of climate and environmental emergency and the skills necessary to deal with them. So Labour's really bringing in the Green New Deal all the way throughout its policy. And then yeah. it goes in, I, I I won't speak about it, but it really goes in as making sure schools are poverty proof and making sure that they they close the tax loopholes with private schools. So, so they're going to obviously give private schools, take away private schools uh, charitable status, which again, on the doors, actually, people often tell me that that is the most radical policy of Labour because they think we're getting rid of them all. And then when you say, actually, we're just making them not charities, Nine, 99% of people I've spoken to, well, I haven't spoken to 100 people, maybe like 90% of people I've spoken to, have said that they think that's great and why Why wouldn't it be like that already? So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. positive. Okay. And then higher education, as we all know, Labour will get rid of tuition fees, Woo. which is yeah huge. Huge. I have a... I feel very bad, though, for the... Um, I know this is how society works, but I feel really bad for like the sacrifice generation when Labour gets into power because it just must be, you know, there's just going to be a decade of people that are going to have all this debt. 
which I feel yeah. yeah I mean it's obviously great that um, more children coming yeah. through aren't going to have that, but it's just it just sucks that there's like a like almost how like our generation well like my generation was like sacrificed in one way like we're going to be worse off than our parents great like now the thing is the th- the thing is, though, you you still you still end up with some debt. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, tuition fees because, um, I mean, I, when I when I, I I was going to say when I did university, but I, I when I skived my way through three first years just as an excuse to get paid <laughs> to get drunk, <laughs> I didn't have to pay tuition fees in the nineties, mm. but I, I still ended up in debt with my um yeah. my maintenance yeah. loan. But I mean, nowadays you only get the maintenance loans. You don't get like I got a grant yeah. as well. Mm. Which you, just, you don't you don't get now. Yeah. So now the, the the debt is ludicrous. But I think I think Corbyn said that um, obviously they'll abolish tuition fees, but they will also look. I don't know that it's. I don't think it's in the manifesto. No, he said it. He I don't said think it's it, an official policy. He said but, it in the. Um, it, uh, he said it on the actual manifesto launch, didn't he? In Birmingham. Yeah. He mentioned uh, maintenance grants. Which yeah, I. The other thing is, which is not mentioned here, which I'd be really intrigued to see is for those maintenance grants, if they're going to take it back to plan one, so pre-2010 pre or 11, because the plan two loan is diabolical. Yeah, it's like you're three times as much as the plan one. Bank. Yeah, and also it, it, it plan one, you weren't, it, unless I got it really confused, you weren't paying interest until um, you, do you pay- got your loan. But until you got your loan, yeah, whereas plan plan two, from the very second that you apply for it, the interest starts. It's fucking yeah. shocking. Yeah. Yeah. I think another th- another thing Corbyn said on more than one occasion as well is that they would look at doing something to alleviate the debt of people yeah. who've Good. suffered through, tu- like done three years. Well, there was that huge months. fucking, like... Um, time when all of the shit rags kicked off and said that Corbyn had lied about eliminating student debt um, except mm. he'd never actually said that he just acknowledged yeah. that it was shit and they wanted to do something about it um, about but, it yeah, yeah. Um, but it, yeah yeah I mean personally having um, personally because I, I like I say I, I slacked off through three years I just scammed my way through university in the 90s and didn't get a degree so I ended up with a bunch of debt, which got sold. Um, it got it was part of the the loans that got sold to yeah. private companies. And then I've started doing um, a degree with the OU. So I've, I'm now accumulating more debt from tuition fees. And also my my um, my daughter is uh, at university as well. And I've been having to help her deal with with getting her student loans mm-hmm. in order. Um, and she's she has autism, so she gets um, uh, like a maintenance loan, even though she's doing distance learning, because of that medical exemption. Mm. And my God, the amount of hassle that it's such a simple thing. It's like you've got you've got a medical condition, you you you're allowed to get it because they've only just brought it in in the last mm. couple of years where you can you can do that. And no one at student loans seems to understand like what the standards of evidence are. Oh, they, they are just so incompetent. Mm. The amount of grief we've had dealing with yeah. them. Um, so anything and everything that can be done to sort of just abolish student loans mm. and, and make university free and accessible to all yeah. just cannot cannot come fast enough, really, because it's 
um, I mean, the thing is as well, when you, you're dealing with it and you're having to talk to like people at the Open University about like, well, okay, so we're sorry, but the tuition fee isn't in place yet because student loans have done this. And they say, oh, yeah, that's that's par for the course. Mm. Like last year, they um, they had such uh, they had such a problem with people's loans being late that they they extended the date where because normally it's like you, if the course starts on like say the sixth of October you've got until the twentieth so you've got two weeks after yeah. and your your fees have to be paid and they had to push it back until the end of November. Wow! And then by the end of November, a lot of people there were so many people who still didn't have their loans in place that some like some people managed to their loan came in before they were deregistered from the course just purely because there was such a backlog of people whose loans hadn't arrived yeah. that the deregistration process was so slow that some of those people squeaked through wow. and it's like you just for i think people like you know teenagers have enough stress at university yeah. without having all of that shit yeah. on top to deal yeah, with so it's, bad because um, it didn't work like that because i had to pay tuition fees because i was I was just on the cusp. I started uni in 2009 and I was like yeah. in Edinburgh. So we, I paid like half price fees. It was like a strange one where you, yeah, you got half price for some reason, but I never, yeah. Student loans back then, student finance England worked pretty well. So you literally put in where your course was going to be and you never see the money for your tuition. Do you know what I mean? They just pay it straight to the university. Yeah. But I've heard like horror stories about it, like since and people, people going to university who are really going to university off their own back and they haven't they they expect this maintenance loan they're not getting the maintenance loan they've got rent to pay and they've yeah. got you know they need food and they can't afford it and so people were getting people putting on their credit cards or getting out credit cards to be able to do it and it's just it's terrible I agree students don't need that People don't need that. Yeah, they're away from home for the first time. Yeah, not it's, them. it's not good for them. It's ridiculous, and I mean, the, I mean, the obvious difference between the, the experience people are having now and the experience you had in two thousand and nine is nine years of Tory rule, <laughs> yeah, exactly. really, isn't it? It's, yeah, it was literally. It was the most. It was really streamlined. Like I honestly, I I had no problems with them, as I say, because I think I. I think I skipped it all because I was out there by 2013. But it, the process for me was set up in place in 2009. I didn't change. I yeah. didn't change anything. So that was just all set up. But yeah, really, really terrible. I think. I mean, if to to wrap up the the discussion on education, I think. Um, it's you'll always see um, when there's a Tory government they will always fuck up education mm. more than anything else because, um, to be frank, their continued election relies on an un uneducated oh, yeah. population. Well, yeah. they, need people, they need people to vote against their interests. They need people to believe that you can't have better things because just sensible yeah. adult decision-making yeah. and all this whole shit. You need people to, uh, to doubt climate science. You need people to believe that you know foreigners are the cause of all their ills and all this sort of stuff and you, you you have a much harder time convincing people of all these lies if they were educated yeah, yeah. well so they will always like they will always drive to have education be based on targets mm -hmm. um and and because 
if it, if your education is based on on targets and numbers, it stresses everyone out. People don't learn as well. The teachers are, are too busy running around trying to meet deadlines and and metrics. Mm. And you know, you you want education to be about. Can you remember the dates of all these battles when Britain like ruled supreme and was glorious yeah, and, and it, fantastic? Promote and facts not, and then eliminate critical thought. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. We need to get these Tories out. Yeah. <laughs> yep, and we're going to. We will. Couple we of weeks. Gonna, absolutely going to fucking smash them on the, the ninth. Yep, yeah. couple more weeks. We're nearly fucking there, folks. We're nearly there. 12. Is it the ninth 12th, or the twelfth? Twelfth. Twelfth. Friday the thirteenth. And thirteen is my lucky That's number, right. by the way. So, like, let's hope it comes through here. Seven and thirteen are my two numbers. Yeah. So come on, Friday the thirteenth is yeah. going to be extra spooky <laughs> for the Tories this year. <laughs> Actually You'd think it. a party of the dead would be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Okay. So that's not even the whole manifesto. It's most of it. That's yeah. not even all of it. We've just spent nearly three oh, fucking hours Jesus. talking about this. Oh, my God. I know. I'm um, so happy I had dinner before. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, it's, there's so much more in it. I can only say to everyone to go and have a read of it. Go and scan through it. Find find your thing. Find your pet issue. The first thing I did was look at the social security bit um, yeah. to see how that was going to affect my loved ones. Um, you might be going through a shit time with work and you want to know what your rights are. Go to the work bit. Dig right into it. Like I say, I covered loads in that work, but I didn't cover all of it. There's more. <laughs> um like it could be fucking there's loads and loads of shit find what you really care about find what you're really passionate about and just dive in and see what the next government might offer you um and just take it for there um and then spread the word if you like it spread the word um but yeah so anyway enough of that kind of hopeful chat let's bathe ourselves Uh, in some misery shall we with a rounding off game of comment or commentary ah. at. Okay. Can I just tell you guys before you do that that Owen Jones tweeted that uh, like 50,000 people were on the Register to Vote website uh, around like 6, 6 7 pm tonight. Oh, shit. Deadline's yeah. tomorrow, isn't what it? What happened? Uh, what happened at 6 or 7? Stormzy. Grime yeah. ah, for Corbyn was announced today and Stormzy put it up on his actual Instagram this evening and so it's just been like a huge youth quake oh, just... yes. changes coming <laughs> um, now, you can, now you can melt my brain now I've got my happiness out <laughs> <laughs> oh I'm sweating in anticipation oh you should be oh, God. I think I'm sweating in fear good way <laughs> yeah, I'm not good. Right, here's your first one. When Labour lose this election, and they almost certainly will do, and when all of us that said that Corbyn was not a suitable leader and had too much baggage, that his position on Brexit was flawed, that we needed some leadership, some competency, and we were all told to F off and join the Tories. Please remember that in the subsequent five more years of Tories and hard Brexit and have just a sliver of humility and perhaps by 2024 the two wings of the party can come together behind someone like Keir Starmer and we can finally kick the bastards out. Comment. 
or commentariat? Commentariat. Well, I'll tell you what, if Yvette Cooper was in charge, <laughs> oh, we'd be doing so well. 40 points. 40 <laughs> points ahead. All times. 40 points forever. Oh. I'm going to say commentariat. Okay. Yeah, me too. It, it, yeah. it shows a level of like personal investment. Yeah, but only yeah. the people who are really engaged with politics can have. Yeah, I think it's yeah, it's commentary, and it's going to be some absolutely arch dipshit. It's actually like Nick Cohn or something. <laughs> it's actually a comment. Ooh. That was a comment on the Guardian. Oh, oh, you're ruining the Guardian yep. for me. Milk Central. It's Milk Central. Oh. <laughs> okay, what about... What about... Hmm, why can the Lib Dems succeed when Labour can't in these kind of seats? <laughs> a, lot of Rema- <laughs> a lot of Remain voters simply don't trust Corbyn's Labour on Brexit, which they believe he'd, ra- he'd be rather happy to see happen. Also... Voters who previously voted Tory are much more willing to switch to and vote for the Lib Dems than they are to do so for Labour. This is in large part due to Corbyn, who is disliked and viewed as extreme by a large number of Labour voters, never mind former Tory ones. Comment or commentariat? I think the Tories are happy to switch to voting Lib Dem because all they're doing is still voting Tory. Yeah, that's that's exactly that's exactly the chat on the door in Kensington, like the normal chat that you would put out in Ealing of like, well, if you don't want to buy, if you if you if you want this and you don't want to vote Conservative, then Labour's your only answer. In Kensington, they're like very happy to vote for the Lib Dems because it's they're yellow Tories, like beside themselves with excitement yeah, if you, over it. If you want a Tory government, but blue's not your colour. Yeah. <laughs> so what do we reckon? Uh, comment or commentary? Comment. I think that's comment purely on the basis that they haven't given Joe Swinson a columnist position anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to say commentary at just to be different. Okay. It was commentary at. Yeah. And it was. Yeah. Someone and it like who? Like Chucker. Ooh. It was Chucker. No, it wasn't. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was Chucker in the Independent oh! making the oh! argument that um, the the Tories and the Lib Dems are the same thing. <laughs> I think I told you he's going to end up with. I think it's cheating to use an actual sitting Lib Dem MP for this. <laughs> well, he's not. He's, he's not. Parliament's been dissolved, and he's never getting the seat back now. So it's fine. <laughs> Oh, this is yeah, just one flavour of what he's we're just getting. A candidate. He won't win. He's a candidate cities. for now, and up until someone on Twitter goes through his old tweets. <laughs> <laughs> right, next one. Labour are working hard to dissuade private landlords from the market. That'll help the housing crisis with massive tax this is hikes. Fucking and, and, already, <laughs> with massive tax hikes. Oh fuck's sake! With massive tax hikes and an anti-entrepreneur attitude. I can see a lot of private investment depart in the UK. But hey, houses will be cheap. In a way, there is part of me that thinks millennials should live under a Corbyn government as they have no idea of the carnage Labour delivered in the 70s. Comment or commentary? I mean, right up until that last bit, everything they were saying was true. (laughs) 
Yeah, but that's bad, apparently, for reasons. <laughs> I feel like this has got to be like something like the Daily Mail or something like that. Um, I I honestly think this, the impression this gives me is that it is comment and commentary. Like, someone wrote this in a paper and then went and commented the same thing directly underneath the fucking article, <laughs> like some sort, of, some sort of shit vortex. <laughs> But let's let's go for comment. Yeah. I've been wrong so far on everything. Yeah, I'll, I'll say good comment about this as one. well. Yeah. yeah, okay. It was a comment. Mm. And it was a comment from my favourite place, the BBC News website. Oh my gosh. <laughs> God damn it. Next time. Next next one. Okay. That was on the BBC. Yep. Oh, right. It's like the fucking Wild West on the real <laughs> It's fucking unreal. It's, it's terrifying down below the line. It's unreal. It's a good thing they keep an actual button that says show comments before you inadvertently read any. <laughs> right, next one. Boris has two campaigning assets, charm and animal energy. He can make people... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is. I, I mean, is that this is Laura Koonsberg on the BBC website? <laughs> oh my god! Oh fuck! He can make people feel good about themselves and about the country. In politics, body language is important. Boris serves him well. Certainly, it will not appeal to the high-minded, but they are a small political minority. In British politics, prigs rarely prosper. Think Gate School. Comment or commentary? Comment. I'm yeah, sure com- yeah commentary. That's that's and I Laura Koonsberg. <laughs> definitely. I want to know who called him animal I, energy. It's got to be comment. It's going to be some like Tory. I think that is commentary out from conservative home. Oh, I mean, all conservative just women. The idea that his body language, his body language is anything other you than you have like, to an, be openly partisan, be, to an extent beyond the shit shitty newspapers you you have to be openly like saying this is a Tory thing to be that explicit oh I no I, I definitely think that's I'm, a comment it's, it's got to be by the words they've said that's got to be a I comment I really think this is like I really think this is like a I'm trying to think where I think I might have seen this well I, I think this is I definitely think this is a comment but not like classier than, it's just yeah it's just staggering to me that someone would claim his body language is good <laughs> He has the he has all the, the posture and energy of a blobfish that's been dropped out of a helicopter. Yeah, he reminds me of Flubber. He, he just he just he just sort of like lands in the middle of the stage and just just slumps. <laughs> it's more of a collapse than a posture. <laughs> oh, oh damn! It was. Like he, doesn't have, he doesn't have any. He doesn't have any load bearing like bones in his body. <laughs> He's a man made entirely of load bearing drywall. <laughs> oh, right. That- he is, he is, actually, now that you bring it up, he is the Grover House of People. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, damn. Right, okay. Um, that was Commentariat. And it was Bruce Anderson in The Spectator. Oh, oh, I feel dirty just hearing it. <laughs> the fucking spectator. Only the spectator would talk about his animal energy. <laughs> Probably because they've exhausted yeah. him at a skull chat for the week. It, 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 to be fair, it was markedly less racist than most things in the spectator. 
Oh, right, last one. Clausewitz said that war is the continuation of politics by other means. Few consider the obvious corollary. In the same way that war increases hatred and tribalism, drives extremism and gradually lays waste to the terrain it's fought across, democracy has slowly and inevitably devastated our political life. In this civil war, yeah, in this civil war, which we have permitted to define us, it is inevitable that those who seek peace and consensus should be marginalised, even destroyed by fanatics in their obsessive quest for supremacy. It's ironic that the party of pragmatism and consensus should have a name that identifies with the very thing that makes their ideals impossible. Comment or commentary up. Commentary up. I can't believe what I just heard in my ears. I don't even <laughs> know what they're trying to say there. Um, I think you are purposefully being misleading and that it's just a commenter high on their own thoughts. <laughs> I, um, oh, I, 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 Fuck knows. <laughs> I'm, gonna... I'm not in a state of shock for what you've just read out to me. <laughs> I've got like. I'm gonna say comment commentary. Yeah, go... That's some big, big brains, big brain genius at the times. I'm <laughs> letting the mask slip and advocating for the end of democracy. <laughs> oh, that was in fact a comment. Yeah. And that was a comment from the Guardian. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Fucking hell. Okay, that's it. I'm done with the Guardian. Had to be the Guardian. <laughs> oh my gosh. Can you tell me that? You actually got really hot from, from hearing that. I feel very... Jesus <laughs> Christ. That with Boris's animal energy. My brain is like... Wow. Oh, this is certainly a way to end the podcast. Wow. Fucking out done yourself a, there, like that, that was, was a weird way to end that like was something three hours else. of this, I feel. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh well. He's can all go and enjoy the shower that he's need after hearing those fucking takes. Oh damn. Um Right, yeah, so I think after after three hours we can probably end it there, eh? Um, <laughs> oh, well, yeah. this was a journey. So, <laughs> oh, it's always a journey. Oh, <laughs> right, okay. Um, yeah, so you've been listening to Podcasting's Praxis. Uh, we will be back again next week with some... No, sorry, fuck that. We'll be back <laughs> again later on in the week with another episode. And... Keep an eye on the Twitter at PraxisCast. You can follow me at Sanitary Naptime. You can follow you can follow <laughs> Alicia at You can follow me at Alicia Jarman, uh yeah, on Twitter. Lots of stuff about the Labour doorstep. Alright, and you can follow Jamie. No, you can't, because I'm I'm a political prisoner. <laughs> oh, that's scandalously right. banned for my for exercising my free speech. <laughs> Being silenced. He's actually stood outside Jack's office with duct tape over his mouth. And you can't oh. follow me on Twitter either, because when I run for MP, it will save me the trouble of having to delete it. Well, thank you everyone for being at the podcast. Yeah, my name's John. You can find me at uh, at. Tiedson, T-S-I-E-T-I-S-I-N on uh, Twitter. Uh, yeah, hit us up and don't forget to vote. Nice. <laughs> Alright, so yeah, we'll call it there, I think, folks. Um, yeah, and we'll see you again soon. Lovely stuff. Yeah, it's been fun. See you guys. Cheerio. Bye. See ya.